And our second lesson is taken from the epistle of St. Paul to the Colossians, the third chapter, beginning at the first verse. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is the word of the Lord. Rob. Well, um, as uh, some of you know, My wife and I and the kids are hoping to move to Ethiopia uh, very soon. In fact, we were hoping to be there already, and um, uh, you might think it's a shame or a benefit for your sake that uh, we're not there now so I can leave this service, Um, but uh, you can make your mind up as we go. Um, I mention that because there is an Ethiopian saying, I own a cow in the sky, but I haven't got any milk from it yet. I own a cow in the sky, but I haven't got any milk from it yet. The theme of this afternoon is simple. It is this. If we trust in Jesus, the best is yet to come. If we trust in Jesus, the best is yet to come. And what I've been praying is that as we go away from today, that would be the one thing that uh, uh, sows a seed in our minds. Potential and possibility are things that we, we all know about and have experienced. Something fabulous, something amazing, something positive uh, that is feasible, that is achievable, that is promising a relationship, perhaps, or a child, a job, or an opportunity. Potential and possibility can take many forms. Let's just take one moment, if you would. And in this moment, I'd invite you to reflect on something past or present that felt like a fantastic opportunity for you? What was the cow in the sky that you owned? What is a potential possibility that you felt within your grasp? potential and possibility are things we all know about and have experienced. 
For all of us, there are times in life when we feel like we own that cow in the sky. But as the Ethiopian proverb says, we haven't got any milk from it yet. For some of us, that potential uh, we felt never materialized. For others, maybe we finally took possession of our cow on the ground, but it let us down in some way. The excitement of a marriage can be tinged with problems down the road. The incredible job that turns out to be a source of grief and gloom. The children who make decisions in life that we desperately disagree with. The opportunity that decayed into defeat. And of course, as the proverb implies, many of our cows in the sky are only ever precisely that. Cows in the sky, we never receive any milk from them. Fantastic possibility turns out to be mere fantasy in the end. Now, Paul's letter to the church in Colossae is written to people who want more from life. There's, a, I think, a kind of myth, a superficial myth sometimes that we can give off about Jesus, that turning to him will suddenly transform everything and give our lives meaning and fulfillment overnight. I take it that we all have enough life experience to know that's not true. And many people do have a story of radical change when they come to know Jesus, and that's absolutely fantastic. That's brilliant. But the Bible is full of all sorts of perspectives and experiences. God is the God of the mundane as well as of the miraculous. And for some of us, perhaps many, perhaps most of us, we still struggle with all sorts of things after we turn to Christ as we did before, perhaps after many years of walking with him. Well, the people in Colossae were exactly the same. That's why in chapter 1, Paul and his friends say, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. They pray a little later that the Colossians would grow in God's knowledge. They say at the end of chapter 1 that they preach and teach the gospel so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. There's something to develop, something to grow, something to increase in walking with Jesus. But with that, there comes a constant temptation to think that the gospel hasn't worked because we haven't come into the fullness of everything right now. And so in chapter 2, Paul says to the Colossians that he is writing so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. He warns them, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For the Colossians, that could range from amazing philosophical arguments uh, to strict and spiritual-looking laws and rules about what you can eat and drink. In other words, Paul is writing to people who have started with Jesus. Maybe they've been going with Jesus for a while, but they don't feel satisfied and they don't feel fulfilled. And so there's a big temptation to say, what more is there to fill my life? For people who feel like that, 
the cow in the sky is so attractive. For people like that, nothing can sound more welcoming than when someone says, this is how you get the cow's milk. Let me tell you, follow this instruction or do that. Potential and possibility are things we all know about and we've all experienced. Paul is writing to people who see and feel huge potential for something, but they're yet to experience it in the way they'd really like to in the reality of their lives. And if you long for something, or you feel the loss of not having obtained something, or something or someone who's gone already, Paul's solution is this, verses 1 and 2. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Paul says this, I think, because this life can never reach the potential that we feel. The sages of old filled books with poems about precisely this. Something's always wrong. Or there's something we miss out on in some way. Or there's some way that we fall short. Or something happens to take our happiness from us. Now, you may or may not be familiar with Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman's incredible story, Good Omens. I wasn't quite sure about using uh, this illustration. Perhaps we might not have heard of Terry Pratchett, or perhaps we might feel that I shouldn't talk about good omens in church, but I'm going to move ahead. Please forgive me if either of those things are true. It's a story about the end of the world and the coming of the Antichrist. And it's everything you would expect from Terry Pratchett if you know him as an author. It's incredibly funny, it's insightful, it's irreverent at points. And it's just been adapted for television on Amazon Prime with an all-star British cast. Now, I won't give away what happens, um, partly because Rob asked me not to, because he wants to watch the show. But the basic gist is this. There's an angel and a demon and they team up to stop the apocalypse, because, which is the end of the world, because they've been around together for a long time. Years ago, they made the decision, do you know what? Head office um, in uh, both our different places, they don't really notice what we do, so why don't we just agree to just have a bit of fun together? Because any, any good you do or bad idea, they cancel each other out. And so they become firm friends, this angel and this demon. And the problem now with the end of the world coming is, if the world ended, there'd be so many experiences in this life that they'd miss out on. Now, it's, a, it's an hilarious premise. I very much enjoyed the book and the radio play, and I enjoyed the television uh, show as well. Not every aspect of them are as wholesome and healthy as, as they could be, but I suppose any story is going to have elements of them we're not sure about. I still laughed a lot watching it. Uh, at the same time, as creative as it is, it is typical of the small thinking of atheists like Terry Pratchett. A real lack of imagination 
to see beyond our present experience. Look at Paul's instructions to the Colossians again. Set your hearts on things above. Set your minds on things above. The idea that this world, this life that we live in now, this earth, contains all that could be exciting and fabulous is just so unimaginative. Such a shame for Terry Terry Pratchett, of all people, such a creative writer, to be limited in that way, if that was his only experience. This life is full of cows in the sky, potential blessings that will never give us their milk. But it won't be like this forever. There is a new creation coming, Paul says. One where the potential becomes the actual, where where the possible becomes the real. In the new creation, science will flourish, the arts will flow, technology will forge its way forward. It will be the most exciting time of our lives. It will be a golden age that never ends. And you will not miss out. You will not make a mistake. You will not feel like there's something happened and you didn't get a chance to experience it. What would you do with your life in a perfect world? Maybe spend another moment and reflect on that as Paul suggests, how would you spend your time in a creation made pure? Friends, you are made in the image of God. And there is something unique about you that reflects his glory. In John's revelation, he shares that in the new creation, Jesus will give you a stone with a secret name written on it that only you and he know. There is something unique about your identity something that can't be replicated by anybody else. You've been made with incredible talent and gifting and possibility. In this life, you get a flavor of that potential of what you could be. You've had a taste, but much of it has gone or will go to waste. And outside of Christ, That is the end of our story. A flame that flickered but never flared into life. But if you are in Christ, Paul says our story is yet to begin. Verses 3 
and 4. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Who you really are, what you could really be, has never and will never express itself fully in this life. But in Christ, that potential you have, that possibility of what you could be, is hidden now and just waiting to be revealed when he returns. Terry Pratchett achieved many things, many great things in this life, humanly speaking. But unless he put his trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, he will never have fulfilled his true potential. The angel and the demon who want to stop the end of the world happening have badly misunderstood how amazing the next world will be. So unimaginative, unable to see beyond what's in front of them. Trapped in thinking of this world alone means we'll only ever experience, it, will only, it will be the only ever experience of what we could be. But if you're a sister or a brother who trusts in Jesus Christ, then you have already died to this world with all of its disappointments. And the real you, the one who will be a resounding success, the you who will fulfill everything you were created to be is hidden in Christ and will be revealed. When he comes again, you will be seen for who you really are in him. So where will you set your mind this week? What will be the subject of your daydreams? How will you evaluate your life up to this point? Because friends, let me assure you of this. If we trust in Jesus, the best is yet to come. If we trust in Jesus, the best is yet to come. What do those words mean for you personally? We're going to end by reflecting on two poems from the scriptures. The first is by Kohaleth, the teacher who wrote Ecclesiastes, and he reflects on our experience of living in this life. And then we'll hear God speak about his new creation through Isaiah's lips. And as we hear the words of these poems, please use this time to pause and ponder. If we trust in Jesus, the best is yet to come. What do those words mean for you? Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. 
What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? It was here already, long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations. And even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight, and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take my delight in my people. The sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not live out his years. The one who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere child. The one who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them, or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people." My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain, nor will they bear children doomed to misfortune. For they will be a people blessed by the Lord, they and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, and dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, trusting in you, the best is yet to come. And so we thank you, Father, that our lives are hidden in your Son. And that when he comes, we will appear with him in glory. And so we pray by your spirit, set our hearts on you this week and set our minds on the things that are above. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please stand and we will pray as we sing and ask Jesus uh, to come and be with us by his Spirit.